We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. go episode 745 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Monday January 22nd 2024 it is the 41st anniversary of perhaps the greatest home win in Redskins history the 31-17 win over the Dallas Cowboys at RFK Stadium in the NFC Championship game For the 1982 season, January 22nd, 1983, the game was put on ice via perhaps the greatest defensive play in Skins history, a 10-yard pick six by interior defensive lineman Daryl Grant in the fourth quarter, a pick six made possible by the greatest edge defender in Skins history, Dexter Manley, tipping the pass by Cowboys quarterback Gary Hogaboom, whose hopes of making a Super Bowl went boom. Uh, Here was the television call of the play, the legendary Pat Summerall and John Madden on CBS. And the financial considerations are substantial. If you go all the way, each man will get an extra $70,000. Hogaboom fakes. Throws the screen, has it batted away and picked off in the air by Daryl Grant. Touchdown, Richkin. guard last year. Second year man from Rice. Yeah, man, there you go. RFK Stadium on fire that day. Well, the conference championship games for this NFL season now are set. The AFC championship game, the Kansas City Chiefs at the 
Baltimore Ravens this Sunday afternoon at 3. The NFC Championship game, the Detroit Lions at the San Francisco 49ers this Sunday evening at 6.30. We can only hope (laughs) that someday soon, Washington is playing on a conference championship Sunday again. Heck, the Chiefs, they are playing in the AFC Championship game for the sixth consecutive season. Think about that. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Goldie podcast. My goal on this show is to be at least as accurate as the local weather people who were talking about one to three inches of snow in the Washington, D.C. area this past Friday when we instead got like five to six inches of snow. Great job, guys. Way to nail it. <laughs> well, we can only hope uh, that the following report is accurate, or at least more accurate than the weather people were for this past Friday. But NFL insider Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports, he in a post on X on Saturday morning reported that sources considered Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, quote, the favorite to land the Washington job, end quote, as in the commander's head coaching job. Uh, we Since we last spoke on Friday's show, episode 744, have had a lot of reports slash developments in the commander's head coaching search. There is a lot to sort through, a lot to process. Next segment, I will conduct a proper deep dive on the latest in the commander's head coaching search, including this Ben Johnson report and the commanders over the weekend conducting multiple virtual interviews of head coaching candidates and multiple reports on Sunday afternoon that the commanders last week interviewed their assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy for the team's head coaching vacancy. Yes, EB interviewed for the position of HC. Uh, All of that and more next segment as we on this podcast have you covered regarding the commander's head coaching search. Will they have a new head coach by the end of this week? Uh, That is plausible. Uh, Also on the show, the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend, and we'll talk Capitals. Ugly loss for the Caps on Saturday night, a 3-0 loss at the St. Louis Blues. So we also had the Caps on Friday evening announcing a contract extension for a key young player. Uh, I will talk about our tanking Wizards. Uh, Two more losses for them. A 131-127 loss to the Western Conference worst San Antonio Spurs at Capital One Arena on Saturday night. And then a 113-104 loss to the defending NBA champion Denver Nuggets at Capital One Arena on Sunday evening as we, over the weekend, had both the Spurs, Victor Wembanyama, and the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic in town, and uh, each guy had his way (laughs) with the Wizards. Uh, And I will talk college basketball, dramatic losses for Maryland and Georgetown, and big road wins for Virginia and Virginia Tech. Maryland overcame a 15-point first-half deficit, but lost to Michigan State 61-59 at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland on Sunday afternoon. Georgetown blew a 
14-point first-half lead and a 12-point second-half lead in a 92-91 loss at Xavier on Friday evening. But Virginia and Virginia Tech each got its first road win of the season. The Cavaliers won at Georgia Tech 75-66 on Saturday evening, and the Hokies won at NC State 84-78 on Saturday afternoon. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Matt Tinkler in the United Kingdom with a scouting tip for Commander's General Manager Adam Peters. Right, Matt, loving the show here from the UK, and it is great to see that things are finally looking up for Washington. I know that it is a bit early for draft talk, but the UK is sending the NFL a gift to the International Player Pathway Program. His name is Louis Rees Zamet, formerly a rugby star for Wales and Gloucester. He is six foot three and two hundred eleven pounds and runs a hundred meters in ten point four seconds, and he is only twenty two. He at eighteen was the youngest player ever to start for Gloucester. He is a bona fide rugby star and has given it all up to attempt to make it in the NFL. He has an uphill battle to transition to a new sport, but if I was the commanders, I would take a leaf (laughs) out of the Eagles book, not a page out of the Eagles book, a leaf out of the Eagles book, and draft Rees-Samit in the seventh round like they did with Jordan Mailato. As a Gloucester fan, I will miss Rees-Samit dearly, but if Washington could get him, I would be delighted. Maybe you could bring him to the attention of Adam Peters. Here is a YouTube link to some of Reese Zamet's highlights. He is super quick. Uh, thank you for the email, Matt. I'll do what I can. Uh, you know, I watched some of the highlights. Louis Reese Zamet is impressive. Now, what that means for him as an NFL player, who knows? Remember, it was three years ago that we as Washington fans got all excited about tight end Samus Reyes. Remember him? Uh, Washington on April 13th, 2021, announced the signing of Samus Reyes, who technically was an unrestricted free agent. He played college basketball at Tulane for two seasons, 2016-2017 and 2017-2018. He graduated from Tulane in 2018, played for the Chile national team in 2019 and then in May 2020 decided to try what he had been told to try for a while, football. He did so well at the University of Florida's Pro Day on March 31st, 2021 that Washington actually signed him as an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Reyes spent the entire 2021 regular season on Washington's 53-man roster as the team thought enough of him to not expose him to waivers in an attempt to put him on the practice squad. But the commanders on August 16th, 2022, put Reyes on the reserve injured list. And the commanders on August 23rd, 2022, agreed on an injury settlement with Reyes. And Samus Reyes now is retired. Uh, The Jacksonville Jaguars this past August 13th put him on the reserve slash retired list. And he, in an Instagram post a few days later, said that he was retiring due to a concussion. However, as Matt pointed out in his email, uh, there is Philadelphia Eagles left tackle Jordan Mailata. The Eagles took him in the seventh round of the 2018 NFL draft, despite him having no prior 
football experience. The Jordan Mylata story really is something. He was a former professional rugby player. He's an Australian native of Samoan heritage, and he has been the Eagles' starting left tackle since the middle of the 2020 season. Uh, Email from Kyle Goins on the commanders hiring Adam Peters as GM writes, Kyle, I've been nothing short of ecstatic about the Adam Peters hiring. I know that it's in our nature as Washington fans to get our hopes up only to have them crushed the following season, but this time feels different. When I was listening to J.P. Finley's pod, Ahem, which is the number two best D.C. football podcast, (laughs) don't worry, and I had heard Josh Harris's quote for probably the third time now, the quote about building sustainable and elite winning, I thought to myself, what if, what if we are at the beginning of a dynasty? I know that that's far-fetched, but could you imagine if Washington became to the NFC East what the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick Patriots were to the AFC East, simply dominant year after year, that would be incredible. I look forward to more pods throughout this offseason. Keep the pod sustainable and elite. Uh, Thank you for the email, Kyle. I'll do what I can. Uh, So I think about it like this. There are four components that an NFL team almost certainly has to have for a dynasty. Good ownership, a good head of player personnel, a good head coach, and a good quarterback. The commanders, as things stand right now, just may have the good ownership in managing partner Josh Harris and the good head of player personnel in general manager Adam Peters. Next comes the head coach, and then comes the quarterback. But let's say that the commanders hire, oh, I don't know, Ben Johnson as head coach, and take North Carolina quarterback Drake May with the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. We absolutely could look back on this offseason as the foundation for a dynasty, the first full offseason for the Josh Harris group owning the team, and the offseason in which Adam Peters and Ben Johnson were hired and Drake May was drafted. But, (laughs) A, we got to see what happens with the head coach hiring and the number two overall pick in the draft. B, time will tell just how good Josh Harris, Adam Peters, the next head coach, and what is done with that number two overall pick in the 2024 draft are. And C, even if Josh Harris, Adam Peters, the next head coach, and whatever is done with that number two overall pick in the 2024 draft, all are great. Achieving a dynasty is really hard and is dependent on so many things. So we have a ways to go. But heck yeah, you should be excited. I'm excited. Uh, As Josh Harris said at the Adam Peters introductory press conference last Tuesday afternoon, quote, sustainable and elite winning, end quote. Both of us want to do things from the ground up, one person at a time, but both of us want to take more of a long-term perspective to build sustainable and elite winning. Yeah, sustainable and elite winning. Imagine that. Well, both sustainable and elite is the great law firm of Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. In your and your family's greatest time of need, 
Paulson and Ace is there for you. Paulson and Ace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. You can call Paulson and Ace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Ace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Ace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. In fact, Paulson and Ace was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firms 2024 edition. And Chris Nace and Matt Nace specifically are dedicated and decorated trial attorneys. Uh, Chris Nace in May was named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. This by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Chris in July was elected as the parliamentarian of the American Association for Justice. And both Chris and Matt Nace in August were recognized by Best Lawyers in America for 2024. Why the accolades? Well, Paulson and Nace fights for you. Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Hey, thank you to all of you who have given this podcast a five-star rating and who have written nice reviews of the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. It could be just a sentence or two. But the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. The San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they have advanced to the NFC Championship game for a third consecutive season and for the fourth time in five seasons. And it just so happens that the general manager of the Commanders, Adam Peters, is a big reason for the Niners making it to the NFC Championship game for a third consecutive season and for the fourth time in five seasons. Uh, Adam Peters, of course, a Niners executive from January 2017 until earlier this month when the Commanders gobbled him up and hired him as the team's GM. What the Niners are is, of course, what we want the commanders to be. And our team now has running its football operations, a man who is a big reason for the Niners being what they are. But now comes the next big move in the commanders revamping of their football operations, the hiring of a head coach. We finally have moved beyond the conclusion of divisional round playoff games on Sunday, January 21st. That marked the end of the ban on in-person interviews of NFL head coaching candidates who are currently employed by other NFL teams. Interviews of such candidates this offseason had to have been virtual up until 
Now, there over the last few days has been a lot out there regarding the commander's head coaching search. Here are the three biggest items from the last few days. Number one, NFL insider Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports, he in a post on X on Saturday morning reported that sources considered Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, quote, the favorite to land the Washington job, end quote. Number two, the commanders on Sunday reportedly conducted a virtual interview with Houston Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick for the commanders head coaching vacancy. And number three, we on Sunday afternoon had multiple reports that the commanders last week interviewed their assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy for the team's head coaching vacancy. Uh, let us explore each item further. So Jonathan Jones, sources considered Ben Johnson, quote, the favorite to land the Washington job, end quote. Uh, I loved reading that on Saturday morning. Ben Johnson is who I most want to be the commander's next head coach. He is who I know many of you most want to be the commander's next head coach. It had been reported that Johnson was the commander's top target to be their next head coach, but this report from Jonathan Jones was the first major report that I've seen saying that the commanders are in fact the favorite to land Johnson as head coach. Ben Johnson, of course, is highly coveted, but consider this. (laughs) He over Friday through Sunday is believed to have been virtually interviewed by five NFL teams (laughs) for their head coaching vacancies. If you go by what has been reported, the commanders on Friday conducted a virtual interview with Ben Johnson, who that day also was interviewed virtually by the Carolina Panthers for their head coaching vacancy. And Johnson, the following day, Saturday, was interviewed virtually by two other NFL teams for their head coaching vacancies, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Seattle Seahawks. And then the Atlanta Falcons interviewed Johnson virtually for their head coaching vacancy. That interview happened on Sunday night. Five interviews for head coaching vacancies in three days. Not bad. Uh, The Lions, they had not won a playoff game since January 1992. Their nine-game postseason losing streak was the longest in NFL history. But they, this postseason, now have won two playoff games and now are a win away from the Super Bowl. And Ben Johnson is a major reason for this. The 24-23 win over the Los Angeles Rams now two Sunday nights ago, January 14th in the wild card round. Uh, that was a game in which the Lions offense was outstanding in the first half. And then, yes, was not so good in the second half. That is true. Uh, but now this 31-23 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday in the divisional round, a game in which the Lions offense was especially good in the second half. The Lions scored 21 of their 31 points in the second half. A lot of people deserve credit for what the Lions are doing here. Executive Vice President and General Manager Brad Holmes deserves a lot of credit. Head Coach Dan Campbell deserves a lot of credit. Quarterback Jared Goff deserves a lot of credit. Defensive Coordinator Aaron Glenn, more on him coming up, deserves a lot of credit. But Ben Johnson is right there on that list. He is considered the number one head 
coaching candidate this NFL offseason. He is right in line with the trend of the NFL for years now, a young, smart, offensive-minded head coach. How is he as a person? How is he as a leader? Those are things that Adam Peters needs to figure out, no doubt. But going off what we know, I want Ben Johnson as the commander's next head coach, and I know that I am not alone in that feeling. Uh, Meantime, Bobby Slowick, uh, the commanders on Sunday reportedly conducted a virtual interview with Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick for the commander's head coaching vacancy. Uh, Slowick, like Ben Johnson, a busy man over the weekend. Uh, Slowick on Sunday reportedly was interviewed virtually by two other NFL teams for their head coaching vacancies, the Falcons and the Seahawks. Uh, The Texans season is over. Uh, It ended with the 34-10 loss at the Baltimore Ravens on Saturday in the divisional round. Uh, Slowick's Texans offense looked so good in shredding the Cleveland Browns vaunted defense in that 45-14 blowout of the Browns on January 13th in the wild card round, but the Slowick Texans offense did not look so good in this loss at the Ravens, uh, who look like a monster right now. I mean, the Ravens right now look like the favorite to win the Super Bowl. My top three candidates to be the commander's next head coach are Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick, and Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. I do prefer Johnson over Slowick and McDonald, but I am very intrigued by both Slowick and McDonald. I would say this about Slowick. I prefer Johnson over Slowick in part because Slowick has only been the Texans' offensive coordinator for one season this season. But in fairness, Johnson has only been the Lions' offensive coordinator for two seasons, and McDonald has only been the Ravens' defensive coordinator for two seasons. And Slowick was the San Francisco 49ers' offensive passing game coordinator for last season. So he played a big role in the breakout of Niners quarterback Brock Purdy as a rookie, as a Mr. Irrelevant rookie uh, in the 2022 season. I'm not big on holding a coordinator's final game of a season against him too much. Uh, So yes, Slowick's Texans offense did not look good in this loss at the Ravens on Saturday. But That's one game. That should not dissuade you if you really believe in the guy. Uh, Sean McVay's last game as Redskins offensive coordinator was a hideous game. The 19-10 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field on New Year's Day 2017. And yet, the Los Angeles Rams later that month still hired him as their head coach. And that hiring has worked out (laughs) spectacularly well. So don't get too caught up in a coordinator's final game of a season. However, (laughs) I do want to make this point. Mike McDonald this season now has stymied, has humbled some of the best offenses in the NFL. The Ravens this season have ripped the Texans twice, 25-9 at home in week one and 34-10 at home in the divisional round. The Ravens blew out the Lions, 38-6 in week seven. The Ravens won at the 49ers, 33-19 on Monday Night Football on Christmas in Week 16. The Ravens humiliated the Miami Dolphins 56-19 on New Year's Eve afternoon in Week 17. So Mike McDonald's Ravens defense this season has twice humbled Bobby Slowick's Texans offense and has humbled Ben Johnson's Lions offense, and has humbled head coach Kyle Shanahan's Niners offense, and has humbled head coach Mike McDaniel's Dolphins offense. 
I want Ben Johnson to be the commander's next head coach. I do want an offensive-minded head coach as the commander's next head coach, but I absolutely like what I see from Mike McDonald. I absolutely am impressed by Mike McDonald. And if you're telling me that the commander's next head coach cannot be an offensive-minded head coach, then I absolutely would endorse Mike McDonald as the commander's next head coach. Uh, there is a lot to like with this guy. And then Eric the Enemy. So we on Sunday afternoon had these reports that the commanders last week interviewed Eric the Enemy for the team's head coaching vacancy. You know, it's interesting. There are some NFL teams that actually announce interviews of head coaching candidates. The commanders are not one of those teams. So everything that we have gathered about who the commanders are interviewing, who the commanders want to interview, it's all based on reports. None of it is official. The team is not actually putting out there who the team is talking to about the head coaching vacancy. And so there is the potential for things to get lost in the shuffle. There is the potential for things to go unreported. This Eric Bieniemy interview had gone unreported until Sunday. Now, I would be really surprised if Eric Bieniemy got the commander's head coaching job. His commander's offense this season was not good. Uh, the quarterback who he was tasked with developing, Sam Howell, ended up getting worse as the season went on, not better. Uh, I think that this interview may have been a courtesy to Eric. You know, it's worth noting this. Two different national reports of the commander's interviewing Eric Bieniemy included the word detailed, as in Eric was detailed as in Eric was impressive. So you think about this, okay? Perhaps this was the commanders leaking to the media that Eric was impressive so as to do Eric a solid moving forward. It's not just a coincidence that two different national reports had that same word, detailed. What that says to me is that the sourcing for at least those two reports, and probably more, was the same source. And yes, that source may have been Camp Eric Bieniemy. That is possible. But, you know, the source also may have been the team in some form, someone from the team. And the idea here would be the team trying to help Eric, to put it out there. Boy, he was impressive. He was detailed, you know. And if that's the case, that is a classy move by the commanders. I've seen some people say that the commanders interviewing Eric Bieniemy was to satisfy the Rooney rule. Uh, maybe. I mean, you can't be entirely dismissive of that. But, you know, the team reportedly has conducted virtual interviews with multiple other black coaches. So I don't know that interviewing Eric was needed to satisfy the Rooney rule. I have to tell you, I do kind of feel sorry for Eric because assuming that he doesn't get the commander's head coaching job, that stat now is going to go up by at least one. And the stat for now is 0 for 16. Eric Bieniemy came into this offseason per USA Today, having interviewed for 16 NFL head coaching jobs with 15 teams and gotten none of those jobs. Well, if he doesn't get the commander's head coaching job, that'll make the stat 17 interviews for NFL head coaching jobs with 16 teams and having gotten none of those jobs. So let's take a step back and summarize where we're at with these head coaching interviews by the commanders, because it is easy to get confused. Uh, we Two weeks ago, Monday, January 8th, the day on which managing partner Josh Harris fired 
Head coach Ron Rivera had reports of the commanders having requested permission to interview the following seven head coaching candidates. Uh, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, Houston Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick, who, as you probably know, was a low-level assistant for the Redskins for the 2010 through 2013 seasons, Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, Baltimore Ravens assistant head coach slash defensive line coach Anthony Weaver, Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, who was the Skins defensive backs coach for the 2012 through 2014 seasons, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, and Detroit Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. The commanders, per reports, have interviewed all of these guys plus Eric Bieniemy. Uh, the commanders on January 11th conducted a virtual interview with Anthony Weaver. The commanders this past Thursday, January 18th, conducted virtual interviews with Raheem Morris and Dan Quinn. The commanders this past Friday, January 19th, conducted a virtual interview with Ben Johnson. The commanders this past Saturday, January 20th, conducted a virtual interview with Aaron Glenn, who that day also was interviewed virtually by the Los Angeles Chargers for their head coaching vacancy, and who the previous day, Friday, was interviewed virtually by two other NFL teams for their head coaching vacancies, the Falcons and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, The commanders on Sunday conducted a virtual interview with Bobby Slowick. The commanders at some point last week interviewed Eric Bieniemy, and then with Mike McDonald. So the only person who has reported of the commanders having actually interviewed McDonald is NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB. He had a piece that came out last Monday morning, January 15th, said that the commanders had interviewed McDonald. It's odd that nobody else has reported that the commanders have interviewed McDonald, at least as far as I can tell. Uh, But going back to Aaron Glenn, I found this notable from the weekend. Uh, This was NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com on NFL Game Day on NFL Network on Sunday. Take a listen. It is very possible that the Detroit Lions go into next season, whenever this season ends, needing two new coordinators. I'll focus on Aaron Glenn, their respected defensive coordinator, obviously a former superstar player who has emerged as a hot head coaching candidate. On Friday, he interviewed with the Atlanta Falcons and with the Tennessee Titans. Yesterday, he spent time with the Commanders and Chargers. And obviously, he is a very good defensive coordinator. That is why he's in the position and part of why the team is in the position they are in, Tom. But so much of what teams are looking for, it seems, this year is leader of men, leadership culture, and so much of what Dan Campbell has built in Detroit is has rubbed off on Aaron Glenn. He embodies that. That is one reason why teams are taking a hard look at him. So how about that from Ian Rappaport, quote, so much of what teams are looking for, it seems this year is leader of men, leadership, culture, end quote. That totally echoes what Adam Peters said at his introductory press conference last Tuesday afternoon, right? Citing leadership as the number one thing that he's looking for. And the commander's next head coach. Uh, I thought that that was interesting. You know, it was hard to tell if Peter saying that was just him giving a safe, vague, cliche answer or was him giving a legit answer. But maybe that was a legit answer. Uh, Also, with the commander's head coaching search, uh, still nothing more on the commander's and Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. 
Uh, NFL insider Jordan Schultz of Bleacher Report on January 8th reported that the commanders were interested in Harbaugh, but there has been nothing on the commanders in Harbaugh since. You know, Harbaugh actually was in Washington, D.C. in recent days. He was at the March for Life rally on Friday. Uh, There has been nothing on the commanders and former New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick. My apologies, Mike Florio. Uh, Pro football talks (laughs) Mike Florio, who on this show is known as fake news Florio. He has said (laughs) that Josh Harris is enamored with Bill Belichick. Well, Josh has had a funny way of showing how enamored uh, he is with Belichick and not even interviewing Belichick. Uh, Also, nothing on the commanders and former Tennessee Titans head coach Mike Vrabel, uh, who we got a great analysis of from longtime Titans insider Paul Kaharski on Friday's show, episode 744. One more thing from Divisional Round Weekend. How about what happened with our friend, Chase Young. (laughs) How about what happened with former Commander's Edge Defender and current 49ers Edge Defender Chase Young? So Chase in the Niners win on Saturday night, the 24-21 win over the Green Bay Packers in the divisional round, uh, actually did start. Uh, He did not start any of his regular season games with the Niners off them acquiring him via trade with the Commanders this past Halloween. But Chase on Saturday night played on 67% of the Niners defensive snaps. And Chase on Saturday night got embarrassed on Packers running back Aaron Jones's fourth quarter first and 10 53 yard under center toss run. Uh, Chase on that play blocked big time. And by a receiver, a receiver who went to Virginia, uh, Dontavian Wicks, uh, wah was on full display. But Dontavian Wicks is listed as being 6'1 and 206 pounds. Chase Young is listed as being 6'5 and 264 pounds. And yet Dontavian Wicks on that play took care of business on Chase Young. Now, This was just one play. Every NFL player gets got from time to time. And Chase did play on 67% of the snaps for a Niners defense that overall had a good game. Uh, But yeah, as a Commanders fan, it was impossible to see that play and not laugh. Uh, And bigger picture, the Commanders this past October 31st, what was 2023 NFL trade deadline day, trading Chase to the Niners for a third round compensatory pick in the 2024 NFL draft, that compensation may not have just been fair, especially given that Chase is set to be an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason. No, that compensation may have been favorable to the commanders. Chase Young this season did do some good things. He, for the 2023 regular season, was number 15 among all qualified edge defenders in the NFL in ESPN's pass rush win rate, which is based on player tracking data from the NFL's next-gen stats. Number 15 among all qualified edge defenders in the NFL in ESPN's pass rush win rate. That is pretty good. Uh, But Chase still has never had more than seven and a half sacks in a regular season. He has not had a forced fumble since the 2021 season, and he is not 
the great player who he was drafted to be when the Redskins took him with the number two overall pick in the 2020 draft. I mean, that has become as clear as can be. Heck, we may look back on a 2024 third round comp pick for Chase on an expiring contract as a steal for the commanders. Well, also a steal is what is being offered right now by Nova Fireplace and Stove to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. You right now can get an in-stock wood insert at an extremely discounted price, just $6,000 plus tax. The usual price is $9,000 plus tax. So this is a 33% discount and the $6,000 plus tax includes installation, permit, and county slash city inspection. And you can get a government-funded tax credit as well, up to $2,000, dropping the price to just $4,000, all things considered. A site visit is required, and you must have a masonry fireplace. But if you live in Northern Virginia, call Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803. Ask to talk to my guy, Stuart Moore. He's the general manager. He's a big Commanders fan. He's a loyal listener of this podcast. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and get this exceptional deal on an in-stock wood insert. Again, 33% off. A standard masonry fireplace is only about 10% efficient, but a wood insert is over 70% efficient. A wood insert installed into a masonry fireplace elongates the burn time of your logs. This is a great way to heat your home and save money on heating your home. Uh, visit NovaFireplaceAndStove.com to check out customer reviews of Nova Fireplace and Stove, but call Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. That's Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, the Capitals on Saturday night concluded a home-and-home with the St. Louis Blues. And what happened in this home-and-home, like, perfectly captures the Caps this season. This past Thursday night, the Caps ripped the Blues 5-2 at Capital Win Arena. But Saturday night, the Caps got shut out at the Blues 3-0. Two very different results against a Blues team that, understand, is uh, very mediocre. And this home-and-home was this season's Caps in a nutshell. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, always (laughs) hard to figure out. Uh, The Caps for this NHL regular season now are 22-16-6 and and have a goal differential of minus 24. The record of 22-16-6 doesn't sound so bad, but the goal differential of minus 24 does sound bad. Uh, Charlie Lindgren on Saturday night was the cap starting goaltender for the fourth time in five games. If that doesn't communicate that he and not Darcy Kemper is the Caps' number one goaltender, then I don't know what does. Uh, Lindgren stopped 26 of the 29 shots on goal that he faced. He, per natural stat trick, gave up a goal on a high danger shot on goal, a medium danger shot on goal, and a low danger shot on goal. But the Caps in this game got walloped in the puck possession battle. They had just 18 shots on goal 
to the Blues 29. The Blues goaltender Jordan Bennington had to make just 18 saves in pitching the shutout. The Caps per natural stat trick had just 31 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Blues 46. And then there were special teams, which were not so special uh, for the Caps. Caps special teams on Saturday night were really bad. The Caps went 0-3 on the power play, including giving up a short-handed goal in the first period, and the Caps went just 1-2 on the penalty kill. Here was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his postgame session with reporters on Saturday night on what went wrong for the Caps offensively in this game. A lot, a lot. Didn't... Um get nearly enough activity near uh, Bennington um, puck play was as bad as it's been all year in, in terms of stringing passes together tape to tape um, whether that was coming out of our zone off entries um, just really struggled to just simply handle pucks tonight and be able to um, make anything happen offensively and, and frankly to, to be able to get to that part of our game so it wasn't even close no, it was not. Uh, the Caps on Saturday night did get back two players. Defenseman Joel Edmondson returned from a one-game absence caused by an upper body injury, and winger Beck Malenstein returned from a one-game absence caused by a personal reason, uh, which was the birth of his son. So congratulations to the Malensteins. Uh, and as for left wing Alex Ovechkin, so he was back to being on the Caps' top line of having been on the Caps' second line for that win over the Blues this past Thursday night when he returned from a three-game absence caused by a lower body injury. Ovi on Saturday night did have a game-high tying nine total shot attempts, though they were comprised of just two shots on goal and seven shot attempts that were blocked. When we talk about total shot attempts, there are three types of shots that make up total shot attempts. Shots on goal, shot attempts that are blocked, and shots that miss the net. Uh, but as for Ovi being back on the top line, so Spencer Carberry this season has engaged in a lot of line shuffling, in no small part due to what's happening with Alex Ovechkin and center Evgeny Kuznetsov. The advanced stats for when those guys play together are horrible. <laughs> and I don't know that that's indicative of like a problem between Ovechkin and Kuznetsov, two Russian buddies, right? Uh, but just those two together this season have not made for a good mix. And so we got this from Spencer Carberry during his postgame session with reporters on Saturday night on moving Ovechkin back to the top line. Yeah, I mean, we're just trying to figure out a way what to do with those two lines because Kuz and O together have not been good all year and have been getting crushed. So it's um, we're trying to find something. We feel like we found something with Stromer's line. Um, Dowder's line obviously has a lot of chemistry and has played well in the role. So we're trying to fit Mikey's line. So then it, it leaves you in a bit of a tough spot to find a way to make it all fit together. So we're... Um, made that change but but it, it it we had to get away from it so quickly because all four lines were struggling so we had to try to find something um out of one line or one combination of three so we had to start shuffling around right away 
Yeah, you know, lines for NHL teams can be overrated because the actual time in a game that a line plays together isn't nearly as high as you might think. But of course, lines do matter. Uh, the Caps lately have had a good thing going with the line of left wing Max Patch, ready center Dylan Strom, and right wing TJ Oshie. Uh, the Caps' fourth line of left wing Beck Malenstein, center Nick Dowd, and right wing Nicholas Obey Kubel uh, plays within its role pretty well. But figuring out what to do with Evgeny Kuznetsov, who is having a really bad season, has been a big problem. Uh, One other thing from the Caps weekend, the Caps on Friday evening announced having signed winger Alexi Protis to a five-year, $16.875 million contract extension. Uh, The contract has an average annual value, an AAV, of $3.375 million and makes it so that Protus is under contract through the 2028-2029 season. Uh, The Caps took Alexi Protus in the third round of the 2019 NHL draft. This is just his age 23 season, and he's having a nice season. He has been a positive for the Caps in their retool. Uh, Protus has the following rankings on the Caps for this NHL regular season. Tied for second on the Caps in even strength points at 17. Third on the Caps in assists with 15. Third on the Caps in primary assists with 8. Sixth on the Caps in points with 18. And sixth on the Caps in 5-on-5 high danger shot attempt percentage per natural stat trick. And Alexi Protis is a big boy. Uh, He's listed as being 6'6" and 237 pounds. Next up for the Caps, road games on back-to-back nights. The Caps are at the Minnesota Wild Tuesday night at 8, and then are at the Colorado Avalanche Wednesday night at 9.30. Well, the Wizards over the weekend played home games against teams on opposite ends of the NBA spectrum. Saturday night, the Wizards faced the Western Conference worst San Antonio Spurs at Capital One Arena. Sunday evening, the Wizards faced the reigning defending NBA champion Denver Nuggets at Capital One Arena. And (laughs) the result of each game was a loss. Uh, Saturday night, a 131-127 loss to the Spurs in a massive choke job loss by our tanking Wizards. Uh, They led by 12 points at 121-109 with less than five minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Wizards then allowed the Spurs to end the game on a 22-6 run. That, my friends, is a tank. Uh, Sunday evening, a 113-104 loss to the Nuggets as the Wizards trailed for all of the second half and did not hold a lead over the final three quarters. So the Wizards for this NBA regular season now are 7-35. and 35. That is the second worst record in the NBA, but the team with the worst record in the NBA, the Detroit Pistons, that team just beat the Wizards too. <laughs> the Wizards lost to the Pistons 129-117 at Capital One Arena this past Monday afternoon in the Wizards annual home game on Martin Luther King Jr. Day afternoon. Uh, now, Daniel Gafford in that loss to the Pistons suffered a concussion. He on Sunday evening was back from a two-game absence caused by the concussion. Gafford in the loss to the Nuggets played for 30 minutes, 13 seconds as a starter. He went 7-10 from the field, all twos and 1-2 on free throws. He finished with 15 points, 7 rebounds, including three offensive
offensive boards, two steals, and two assists versus two turnovers. But also playing in that game was the best player in the NBA, the Joker. 6'11", Nugget Center, Nikola Jokic. (laughs) And Nikola, on Sunday evening, violated the Wizards. The Wizards on Sunday evening got violated by the Joker. Uh, He in just 36 minutes, 5 seconds as a starter, had 42 points, 12 rebounds, including 4 offensive boards, 8 assists versus no turnovers, (laughs) 3 blocks, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 20. Jokic went 15-20 from the field, all twos, and 12-14 on free throws. Uh, This game was a scrimmage. This game was a light workout for the Joker. Uh, The Wizards' defense in their loss to the Spurs on Saturday night was embarrassing as well. The Wizards allowed the Spurs to score 131 points, allowed the Spurs to go 12-31 on threes, allowed the Spurs to score 74 points in the paint and go 37-57 in the paint. The Wizards allowed the Spurs to total 38 assists, although the Wizards did total 10 steals and generate rating 17 Spurs turnovers. Uh, the Wizards allowed the Spurs a 7-4 rookie sensation from France, Victor Wembanyama, who the Spurs took with the number one overall pick in the 2023 NBA draft to in just 27 minutes, 45 seconds as a starter, go 2-5 on threes, 8-16 on twos, and 2-4 on free throws and finish with 24 points, 8 rebounds, 6 blocks, and 4 assists. He did commit Six turnovers, but the Wizards allowed Spurs point guard Trey Jones in 32 minutes, 13 seconds as a starter to have 12 assists versus just one turnover. He went 0-3 on threes, but 4-6 on twos and 3-3 on free throws. Also had 11 points, 8 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards and three steals. Uh, if you didn't know better, you'd think that these are the Spurs of, you know, Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Madu Ginobili. No, uh, these Spurs are a lot worse than those Spurs, but uh, the Wizards on Saturday night uh, got done dirty by the Spurs. The Wizards in that game uh, were mixed offensively. 127 points, that was good, but the Wizards went just 9-29 on threes. Did score 66 points in the paint, went 33-61 in the paint, and went 20-23 on free throws. And had 28 assists versus 12 turnovers. Uh, Bilal Koulibaly, who actually grew up with Victor Wembanyama in France, had a good game on Saturday night. Koulibaly in exactly 23 minutes off the bench, two of two on threes, four of seven on twos. He finished with 14 points and four rebounds, including two offensive boards. He did go 0 with two on free throws, but he also had a block, which was of Wembanyama late in the third quarter. That was good to see. Uh, a bright spot for the Wizards does continue to be Marvin Bagley the third. Uh, the loss to the Spurs on Saturday night, Bagley in his second game for the Wizards and in his home debut for the Wizards was really good. 35 minutes, 38 seconds as a starter. 1-3 of three on threes, 7-16 on twos, 4-4 four four on free throws. He finished with 21 points, 12 rebounds, including 7 offensive boards and two assists versus two turnovers. And the loss to the Nuggets on Sunday evening, Bagley in his third game for the Wizards did come off the bench as we had Daniel Gafford back, but Bagley in just 17 minutes, 35 seconds as a reserve, went 5-9 from the field, all twos and 4-4 on free throws, and finished with 14 points and 7 rebounds, including 5 offensive boards. So good stuff 
from Marvin Bagley III. The Wizards shot poorly from the field in this loss to the Nuggets on Sunday evening, just 8 of 27 on threes and just 31 of 65 on twos. But we did get another good game from point guard Tyus Jones. A big-time trade ship for our Wizards uh, with the NBA trade deadline coming up on February 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Tyus Jones on Sunday evening in 31 minutes, 15 seconds as a starter. 13 assists versus one turnover. Uh, He also went three of four on threes. Did go just three of 10 on twos, but he scored 15 points. Next up for the Wizards, home games on back-to-back nights. The Wizards are home to the Western Conference leading Minnesota Timberwolves Wednesday night at seven, and then are home to the Utah Jazz Thursday night at seven. Hey, we've spent the last two segments talking Capitals and Wizards. Underdog fantasy is great, not just for fantasy football, but also fantasy basketball, pro and college, and fantasy hockey. The daily pick'em games are super easy and fun. The season-long fantasy is simple. Underdog fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. A deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI and to make a first deposit of at least $10. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use that promo code GALDI. Underdog Fantasy also offers season-long fantasy with a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be ultra-time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, we all love the NFL and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking NFL winners, only with Little Caesars pizza, you never lose. Uh, And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. Well, we move now to college basketball. Sunday was a special day at my alma mater, the University of Maryland. Sunday for Maryland's noon home game against Michigan State was an ode to lefty, an ode to legendary former Maryland men's basketball head coach Charles Lefty Drizel. Now, Lefty, unfortunately, was not at the game. Uh, He is now 92, but the Terrapins wore a special throwback uniform to honor Lefty uh, and the program's great teams of the 1970s. Lefty was Maryland's head coach from March 1969 to October 1986. Uh, He liked the greatest head coach in Maryland basketball history and a good friend of this podcast. Gary Williams is a multi-time Hall of Famer. Uh, Lefty was inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame in 2007 and was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in 2018. But unfortunately, the Terps in this ode to Lefty on Sunday afternoon did not win. Uh, Maryland for this season fell to 11 and 8 overall and 3 and 5 in the Big 10 with a 61-59 loss to Michigan State at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland on Sunday afternoon. Uh, This was a crazy game. The Terps overcame a 15-point first-half deficit, but ultimately came up short as 6-1 point guard Jameer Young committed a turnover with the Terps down 61-59 with about three seconds left in the second half. Terps head coach Kevin Willard did not call a timeout off Young getting a defensive rebound uh, that led to the possession on which he committed that game-sealing turnover. Uh, Now, Willard, during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon, did say that he should have called a timeout in that spot. I actually was fine with Willard not calling a timeout. Calling a timeout, yes, would have allowed the Terps to get more set on offense, but also would have allowed Michigan State to get more set on defense. Uh, The ball was in the hands of the player who Willard wanted to have the ball, Jameer Young. He just did not come through. Uh, Jameer Young had a rough game. 36 minutes as a starter, he committed seven turnovers and went just three and nine on twos. However, he also went three of six on threes and four of four on free throws and finished with 19 points, four assists, and four rebounds. The Terps' defense really bad in the first half, then really good in the second half. The Terps in the first half allowed Michigan State to score 44 points, go six of 10 on threes and eight of 14 on twos and generate 14 free throw attempts, but the Terps in the second half held Michigan State to just 17 points, just one of six on threes, just six of 20 on twos, and just two free throw attempts. Uh, Here was Kevin Willard during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on his team's defense in this game. You know, it's, 
I, I told them at the beginning of the game that, and it's it's hard. You watch film and. You know, they're always, their first 10 minutes are always so, they always jump on you. They jumped on us there last year. Um, until you've kind of gone against that speed, and we only played them once, so even even like Jameer and those guys, it just, it just takes you by surprise a little bit. You know, when you've played against them a couple times and you've seen it a couple times, you're used to it. Um, and it just took us a while, unfortunately, to kind of just get used to their speed. And then once we did, you know, I thought we defended pretty well. Uh, the Terps offense in this loss to Michigan State on Sunday afternoon, uh, not good. Uh, they went just 8 of 22 on threes and just 13 of 28 on twos. Uh, also, the Terps finished with just eight assists versus 18 turnovers and got outscored by Michigan State in points off turnovers, 19-7. The Terps are just not a good offensive team. Uh, They did out-rebound Michigan State 37-22, including having nine offensive rebounds to Michigan State's two. But of course, the Terps had ample opportunity for offensive rebounds with how many shots the Terps missed. Uh, a couple other Maryland standouts beyond Jameer Young, 6'8", Dante Scott, 37 minutes as a starter, 2 of 4 on threes, 4 of 4 on twos, and 2 of 3 on free throws. He finished with 16 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 blocks. 6'9", Julian Reese, 33 minutes as a starter, 4 of 7 from the field, all twos, and 2 of 3 on free throws. He finished with 10 points, 12 rebounds, including 6 offensive boards, 3 blocks, and 2 assists. He did commit three turnovers. I tell you, I really would have liked to have seen Julian Reese get more than just seven field goal attempts the entire game. Uh, Next up for Maryland at Iowa, Wednesday night at seven. Well, the Terps game over the weekend was at home, but Georgetown, Virginia, and Virginia Tech over the weekend all played road games. Uh, Georgetown for this season fell to eight and 10 overall and one and six in the Big East with a 92-91 loss at Xavier on Friday evening. Uh, This was a brutal loss for the Hoyas. They blew a 14-point first-half lead and a 12-point second-half lead. The Hoyas in the second half led 56-44. They then allowed Xavier to end the game on a 48-35 run. Uh, The Hoyas did not have a made field goal over the final three minutes, 18 seconds of the game. Uh, The Hoyas' defense was not good. They did hold Xavier to just 8 of 25 on threes, but the Hoyas allowed Xavier to go 24 of 39 on twos and getting outscored in the paint 46-30. And the Hoyas allowed Xavier to finish with 27 assists versus just nine turnovers. And things could have been worse because Xavier went just 20 of 29 on free throws. So the Hoyas got ripped by 6-3 Rice transfer Quincy Oliveri, who in 36 minutes as a starter went 5 of 10 on threes and 8 of 10 on free throws and finished with 27 points, six rebounds, and two assists versus one turnover. It did go just two of seven on twos. Uh, the Hoyas offense was mixed. They went just 19 of 47 on twos. Did go 11 of 23 on threes, but that was comprised of going 8 of 11 on threes in the first half versus just 3 of 12 on threes in the second half. The Hoyas did go 20 of 21 on free throws, including 15 of 15 on free throws in the second half. And the Hoyas had 22 assists versus 10 turnovers. So the Hoyas in this game did do a number of things well, just did not do enough 
things well. Uh, two Hoyas who really stood out were Jaden Epps and Jay Heath. Uh, the 6'2 Illinois transfer Jaden Epps, he had 38 minutes as a starter, went 3 of 5 on threes and 11 of 11 on free throws. He finished with 30 points, 11 assists, and 2 rebounds. He did go just 5 of 13 on twos and did commit four turnovers. And 6'3", Jay Heath, he in 40 minutes as a starter, went four of eight on threes and four of five on free throws and finished with 18 points, six assists versus one turnover, six rebounds and two steals. He did go just one of nine on twos, including missing a shot in the paint in the closing seconds of the game. Oh, what could have been uh, for the Hoyas. Uh, next up for Georgetown, home to Butler Tuesday evening at 6.30. So the Hoyas over the weekend lost their road game, but Virginia and Virginia Tech for this season are winless in road games no more. Uh, Virginia for this season improved to 13-5 and overall and 4-3 and in the ACC with a 75-66 win at Georgia Tech on Saturday evening. The Cavaliers this season had been awful <laughs> in road games. Good to see the Cavs finally get a win in a road game. They, in this game, overcame an 11-point first-half deficit and actually led for the entire second half. Uh, the Cavs' defense was decent, but the key to this win actually was their offense, which has been a problem for so much of this season. But the Cavs in this game went 11-23 on threes, went 18-35 on twos, and outscoring Georgia Tech in the paint 34-18. The Cavs had 19 assists versus nine turnovers. The Cavs did go just six of 11 on free throws. The Cavs, for whatever reason, are a bad free throw shooting team, just 65.3% on free throws for this season. But very good games for Reese Beekman, Isaac McNeely, and Ryan Dunn. 6-3, Reese Beekman, he in 33 minutes, 27 seconds as a starter, went 2-6 on threes, 5-10 on twos, and 3-3 three three on free throws. He finished with 19 points, 11 assists versus 3 turnovers, 6 rebounds, and 2 steals. 6-4, Isaac McNeely, he in 37 minutes, 30 seconds as a starter, went 6-9 of nine on threes. He finished with 20 points and 5 rebounds. Did go just one of four on twos and did have one assist versus two turnovers. And 6'8", Ryan Dunn, he in 32 minutes, 11 seconds as a starter, went one of one on threes and three of three on twos. He finished with nine points, 10 rebounds, including five offensive boards, three blocks, two assists versus one turnover and a game best plus minus rating of plus 15. He did go Oh, of two on free throws. Uh, we during UVA head coach Tony Bennett's postgame press conference on Saturday night had the following exchange between ACC basketball and football insider Mike Barber of Richmond.com and Bennett. Tony, how big a know, psychological lift was it for one to get a win on the road, but two to have Georgia Tech get out to a good start and your guys respond on the road? Yeah, and even how it kind of ended, you know, they sort of made a little push. Yeah, I mean, all that's important. It's just trying to take a step. We took a step, you know, by playing a decent half against Wake Forest and then sort of uh, fell apart and partly due to them in the second half. Uh, then came home and played, uh, got back. I just, I thought we took a step in who we had to be and how we had to play to the best of our abilities at home. And then the next challenge is, can you do it on the road? And so, yeah, to, to be able to finish a game, play well in a second half and withstand and show some consistency, making some shots, getting some stops and handling some real game pressure was important, but it's just another step. 
All right, next up for Virginia, home to NC State, Wednesday night at 7, and NC State is coming off a home loss to the Hokies, who on Saturday afternoon got their first road win of the season, just as the Cavs did on Saturday evening. Virginia Tech for this season improved to 11-7 and overall and 3-4 and in the ACC with an 84-78 win at NC State on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Tech with less than eight minutes left in the second half, trailed by three points at 54-51, but the Hokies then erupted for a 24-7 run to take a 14-point lead at 75-61 with a little more than two minutes left in the second half. Uh, Tech's offense in the second half was great. The Hokies in the second half scored 51 points and went 6-12 on threes and 9-12 on twos. How about this? Tech made its final nine field goal attempts in the game. And while NC State did score 78 points, the Hokies' defense was good. They held NC State to just 6-19 on threes and just 20-41 on twos and generated 18 NC State turnovers, although Tech itself committed 20 turnovers. Uh, that was the big negative for the Hokies in this game, 6-1 point guard Sean Padula, he in 37 minutes as a starter committed eight turnovers. He now has 21 turnovers over Tech's last three games. Not good, although Padula in this win at NC State did go one of three on threes, four of seven on twos, and two of three on free throws, and did finish with 13 points, eight assists, and two rebounds. Uh, but 6-1 true freshman Brandon Recksteiner, he in just two minutes off the bench committed four turnovers. Uh, I promise you that his dad, uh, pro wrestler Scott Steiner, big papa pump, <laughs> was not happy about those four turnovers. Although in fairness to Brandon, he got poked in an eye during practice on Friday and Hokies head coach Mike Young during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon said that Rex Steiner felt woozy while playing in the game. So hopefully he's okay. But a very nice game for 6-3 Hunter Couture, 33 minutes as a starter, 3 of 6 on threes, 1 of 2 on twos, 8 of 10 on free throws. He finished with 19 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 assists versus 1 turnover. And 6-10 center Lynn Kidd, he in 24 minutes as a starter, went 6 of 8 from the field, all twos, and went 2 of 2 on free throws. He finished with 14 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, versus one turnover and two steals. Lynn Kidd, as of games through Saturday, was number four among all qualified Division I men's basketball players in field goal percentage for this season, 66.89. Next up for Virginia Tech, home to Boston College, Tuesday night at 9. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 746. We'll have plenty for you on the Commanders. Also on Tuesday show, a special guest to discuss the lack of activity by both the Nationals and Orioles this MLB offseason. Michael Bauman of Fangraphs, he wrote a piece that came out this past Friday, headline, quote, let's poke the Washington Nationals with a stick to see if they're still alive, <laughs> end quote. Uh, but some good discussion on the Nats and Does coming up on Tuesday's show. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. And the financial considerations are substantial. If you go all the way, each man will get an extra $70,000. Hogaboom fakes. 
Throws the screen, has it batted away and picked off in the air by Daryl Grant. Touchdown, Richkin. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.